welcome to Middle of the Dial, the music podcast for the website Middle of the Row. I'm your host, Jonathan Rahul. Today I'm featuring an interview I did a while back with Jason Rosenbaum, a political reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. He spent roughly 12 years as a professional reporter, with most of the focus on Missouri state politics. He's also the host of Politically Speaking, the longest-running episodic podcast about Missouri politics. Most recently, he's also been featured on national news outlets to discuss the political scandals surrounding former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens. Uh, but today's talk, we just talked about our mutual love of emo music. We talked about a variety of things, including some of his favorite bands like Thursday and Brand New, as well as discussed how those bands have fared in current times. It was a really fun conversation that I thoroughly enjoyed, so I hope you enjoy it as well. As I was saying, one of uh, the first episode I actually did uh, with the podcast was with another journalist, uh, Luke O'Neill, who writes for Esquire, and he was referencing back to all this kind of music and all these bands that I listened to when I was in high school. And it just kind of blew me away that I guess emo kind of gets at least in that kind of wave or uh, stage of the genre. It gets kind of a, I guess a bad name or a reputation for being like super immature, I guess. So when I started to find out that like you were really into like old school brand new and Thursday and stuff like that, that really got me excited. But then it got me curious as to, what was your like introduction into the genre and what were some of your favorite bands? That, that's a good question. And before I, after I agreed to be on this show, I was trying to think of like, when did I first hear Thursday? And when did I first hear brand new? I probably heard brand new, like when I was maybe a freshman in college and it might've been like uh, the quiet things. No one ever knows on like a golf video game or something like that. I really didn't think much of them at the time. I, the, my earliest member, memory of Thursday is I saw an ad for War All the Time on television um, when I was in college, but I had no clue who the band was, and I, I didn't really like listen to them. So I didn't really get into either band in earnest until after I graduated from college in 2006. I bought uh, The Devil and God... Um, in right when it came out, because at that point in time, I'd been listening to Deja and, and Tandu, and to some extent, Your Favorite Weapon. And um, The Devil and God Raging Inside of Me became probably one of my favorite albums. It coincided like right at a time when I was starting my professional career and when I was exiting college, so to speak. And the earliest memory of, of me really getting into Thursday was probably in like 2007 when I, I stumbled upon Full Collapse and uh, one of the one of my one of my friends who I knew at the time who was from Nixon, Missouri, actually told me that her school had a Thursday cover band in like the 2000s, which got me more and more intrigued and. This sort of like metastasized it to a point where at this point I've seen Brand New in concert six times. I have all their albums on vinyl. I've seen Thursday seven times. I'm going to see them again in Chicago in June where they're going to play Full Collapse from front to back. I've already actually seen them play Full Collapse from front to back in 2011. So th those are my two core bands. And along the way, I've also liked kind of other offsprings of the post-hardcore screamo genre, so that's Under Oath, Devil Wears Prada, um, 
and then I've, I've even like dabbled in just some some terrible offshoots of this genre, like Attack Attack <laughs> with, with Stick Stickly, and uh, yeah. and also um, uh, Bring Me. I I saw Thursday in two thousand nine twice within a week of each other, where they were uh, they were the the headliner, but Bring Me the Horizon was kind of the second act before then, and most of the people at those shows were there to see Bring Me the Horizon, and I just absolutely detested bring me the horizon because their fans were incredibly obnoxious they left right before thursday came on the crowd was basically empty before uh they came on you actually like read some of the interviews with that band they cite that taste of chaos tour 2009 is one of their low points because they clearly picked the the wrong supporting act so that's kind of a, like a rambly answer to your question, but I think that's the best I can can do at this point. Well, it's it's interesting to see you like also pick up on some of when emo er, and even like you said the screamo genre start to become like more mainstream, and so you get bands like Under Oath and then The Devil Wears Prada, which was definitely influenced by them, and then you get bands like attack attack like you said and then the genre starts to be almost like a parody of a parody of itself sort of um highlighting all maybe the worst attributes and the fashion of it and very and minimalizing and like very watering down like the best aspects of the music um yeah and it's funny you mentioned bring me the horizon too because i i remember them blowing up and i remember they were pretty much sort of the the poster boys for that look for emo at the mo or screamo or metalcore or whatever have you undero sort of had that title for a while and then they kind of i feel like as their music kind of started to mature and go on they they kind of like left all that behind them but bring me the horizon i feel like always embrace that and i remember when their second album came out I was just like, I was in that point where I was just like, man, do I actually like Bring Me the Horizon? Well, it was like, oh, I forget what it was called. Had, like, was it Ch- was it Chelsea Smile, which I actually have on my iPhone because it's like a, a, a really great running song, but it's it's just total, sh- it's just a total shit song to be. I, I don't usually swear in public, but it, it's not very, it's not a very good song, but. It does get me pumped if I'm, like, running three or four miles or something like that. No, yeah. I, I, well, I feel like a lot of that earlier kind of music kind of also, for better or for worse, embraced that, like, pure energy. I think, so it was it was their stuff off of, uh, and this is a pretentious-ass title because it's super long. Uh, there is a hell, believe me, I've seen it. There is a heaven, let's keep it a secret. Um, that is that is pretentious as hell, but that that does not surprise me. That band uh, went there. Yeah, well, and they were trying to progress and stuff like that, and add more, I guess, uh, synths and like ambient sounds, kind of like Under Oath and The Devil Wears Prada was doing. And now it's crazy to see them have this like huge appeal where they're like selling out like stadiums. Like I think their last live album was at Wembley. Are you something. kidding me? Yeah. Are you I'm, serious? I'm not saw, joking, dude. I saw them at, like, I think I saw them at the pageant, and I saw them at some comparable venue in, in Kansas City. But, again, I was going to see Thursday. I, I did, could not have cared less about that band. And a funny story about when I saw them for the first time was that 
during their set, somebody like kicked me straight in the shin really, really hard, which I really shouldn't complain about because when you go to these types of shows, it's kind of a possibility you're going to get injured because the music is so energetic and whatnot. But I can, I can, I was about to say that never happened to me at a Thursday show, but there was a, there was a Thursday show where I got elbowed in the face. So I, I can't really, I guess, I really guess I shouldn't be criticizing them since my favorite band, a similar experience happened, but it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Well, so do you feel like, I guess it's a great segue into uh, my next kind of like question is where do you think the genre has gone? Cause even I think as I've grown older, I've started to like go back and investigate uh, some more of the like forebears of the genre. So like American football or cap and jazz and that kind of thing. And so to kind of see now the progression, um, there are bands that I used to listen to where I'm just kind of, I'm a little bit ashamed of, but there are bands that are currently around that, that I'm like, Oh, these guys are awesome. They totally need to get way more attention than some of the bands I used to listen to did. Like where, so where are you in that spectrum now? Like, is there stuff that you're still listening to? Is there stuff that you've kind of left behind and how have your like overall tastes evolved? No, that that's a good question, and I must admit, like my musical taste is admittingly kind of narrow, but it also kind of like springs in wild directions depending on what I'm thinking. So, I kind of when I started really getting into say Thursday in like 2007, I think that they were kind of at this odd point in their career where they had just released at least two very successful albums in Full Collapse and War All the Time. And then A City by Life Divided was kind of a success, but not as big of a success as those two albums. It's probably my least favorite Thursday album, to, to be candid. So then they released Common Existence and No Devolution. And their last album before their their, their hiatus was probably my second or third favorite album. But... I was going to these concerts like during kind of their last gasp before they reunited. And what I started to notice was kind of what I mentioned before. A lot of the people were coming to the shows to see the other bands beside them because it seemed to me to be a signal that that type of music had kind of lost its mass popularity and people were moving to other bands, at least besides Thursday. What one particular image that I, unfortunately I can't really forget is I went to see Thursday in 2011 when they were uh, touring with the reformed Taking Back Sunday, and Jeff yeah. Rickley was Jeff Rickley was getting visibly irritated that the fans were not paying attention to their set and were clearly just there to to see Taking Back Sunday, which I mean is an understandable frustration. But when you're opening for the reformed Taking Back Sunday, you you kind of have to have that expectation that you're not necessarily going to be the main reason people are there. Yeah. And and I, I think that there are probably some of the other bands that I mentioned that kind of went into, I would say, kind of a somewhat downward trajectory during that time. So Under Oath just reformed, but I think that their last album before uh, – the the drummer left was what in 2008 2009 and then they had the disambiguation album which i i didn't particularly care for um very much and 
then they broke up for a few years. Um, Devil Wears Prada had a, a couple of really good albums, I think, in the 2000s, and I, I really haven't listened to them since. So I think once this genre kind of started to fade from the mass popularity, I kind of got into some other bands that I guess were less heavy. So I really got into Wolf Parade, who I'm going to see in August when they come to St. Louis. I, I really like their new album a lot. And I like their first two albums quite a bit. Um, you know, I was getting into Brand New again last year, which I'm sure we're going to talk about this topic later. Um, so I'll, I'll save you from from that. And I don't know, like, I, I think that, I think, I, I am really glad to see that Thursday is is touring again and is reunited and and is allowing fans like myself to um, kind of see them in a happier place than they were when they were kind of declining. Cause I really didn't want my last image of them to be screaming at fans at a taking back Sunday show because they were not really engaged with their new material and just wanted to hear understanding in a car crash and have them leave. I, they, they seem like when I saw them last year, for example, they, they seemed genuinely happy to see that a lot of like maybe the older fans like myself i'm i'm 33 right now so people like who are my age were kind of going back to to experience them again because i i do think that there's something about the the really heavy music with some melodic elements that has kind of a psychological appeal to to them like it, it gets to kind of some of your subliminal anger a little bit but it also just sounds really nice so that that's probably why i was attracted to bands like thursday bands like under oath bands like devil wears prada and again i admit i i I don't listen to like every band in the genre and i've kind of focused on a few of them very intensely but um i guess to sum it up like i'm glad people are, are like my age are paying attention to them again but i i think that their ability to get the mass appeal that they had maybe in the early to mid 2000s is probably gone at this point what and it's interesting because i remember when a lot of these bands were getting really big like i remember hearing about thursday kind of at that pinnacle right when like war all time came out and i i remember reading this at like way after the fact and it blew my mind away apparently like oh no it wasn't i was watching an old video on youtube it was them performing on craig ferguson on the late late show and apparently the New York Times had called that album like a perfect mix between Metallica and U2 or something like that. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> like, no, not at all. That's And I, like, I'm a poser. The only song I really know off of that album is uh, Signals Over the Air. But, like, for a band to be getting that much kind of publicity or expectation is, like, huge, especially for a band that had, like, maybe one or two albums or like an ep before this main huge release and now they're on a major label and now they're getting like this huge kind of acclaim um and then to see them sort of kind of drop off and see that kind of not necessarily sustain it's really frustrating and this is coming from a guy who doesn't listen to a lot of taking back like recent taking back sunday but like if it comes up on spotify radio i'll be like oh yeah that's i kind of like that song like i'm i'm super ashamed of the fact that i like like taking back sunday because (laughs) there's nothing particularly about like 
what the band is doing necessarily that I find like really artistic or really like groundbreaking, but it's, and for them to be doing it for like more than 10 years at this point now, I can kind of be like, well, whereas like we talked about earlier, a band like brand new, which was at that kind of point of their mainstream career. And this, I guess is, I guess this is an example of a band that beat that kind of thing where they were playing MTV and that kind of thing. And then, like you said, and it was similar with me, The Devil and God is Raging Inside of Me, that came out. That was, like, my first, like, real kind of uh, deep investigation into the band. And that, like, blew away all of my expectations. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, cause, yeah con- continue. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to ask you. So, like, what you said, you had you were listening to some stuff off of your favorite weapon and Dejan Entendu, and but that was, like, your first real album of the band that you had like purchased and like listened through like what so what was that experience like for you compared to like some of the earlier emo stuff that you were listening to before well i actually do remember buying devil devil and god i think i downloaded it on itunes or something it was one of the first albums i think i bought on itunes i i I don't know if that's actually true because i guess it was 2006 2007 I, i don't remember the exact date but i just remember when that loaded into my iPod, because I still had an iPod at the time. This was, there was no iPhones that existed. God, this is sounding like so old fogery-ish right now. Um, I remember just hearing the first notes of Sewing Season, yeah, and then hearing like the explosion after that first minute and was like, oh, oh my God, this is like nothing that... I've heard in a long time. Like it sometimes gets compared to like Pixies and maybe like Nirvana, but it was the type of thing that just sounded so different from their first two albums. And the rest of the album just had this essence to it. That was dark. That was kind of like had this sorrow attached to it. It was just completely different from definitely your favorite weapon, which kind of was, a stock, you know, pop punk album, which I, I think is a, I think is a fine album for what it is, but I would not say it's their best album. Like it has some good songs. I love, I love the shower scene. I, 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 I like, uh, um, a couple of other songs on there, you know, 70 times seven. I think that's what that title is called. The one about taking back Sunday. Yeah. Um, but it's that third album that really solidified to me that this band was doing something far beyond any of its peers in the quote unquote emo genre. And I, I, it's nothing to take away from their second album. Deja, is it pronounced Deja and Tadu or is, am I pronouncing it correct? Have I been pronouncing it incorrectly for years or something like that? I think every Midwestern emo kid who has never taken French and every Midwestern kid who has taken French still pronounces it that way because that's that's probably the way they pronounced it when they first saw it. And so, like, yeah, I, I, I didn't take French; I took Spanish. And I I think that album is fantastic. It is also probably one of my favorite albums. But as I, I'm sure that you you would probably agree, just the way it sounds compared to Devil and God and then Daisy, which is another which is an album that I think did was not as well regarded as some of the other albums, but it's one that I really liked um, for various reasons. 
it's just it's just the type of, of of music that really got to me and I could really connect with because um, it, there have been times in my life, as I'm sure everybody else in the emo genre, where you, you kind of feel that anger and sadness and 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 don't feel the the optimism that you may hear in a poppier emo record or the sarcasm you hear in that in, in, in other ones. So that that to me was like really my entry into that band and it's really one of the reasons they became my my favorite band. And it's it's interesting that like they were also to attach along with that like not it it wasn't just that the like a I guess a layman listening can would say like it just oh they just got moodier or whatever but it sounded it sounded just as genuine as the early stuff if not more genuine cuz there was a definite sense of sadness that people could pick up on and relate to deeply and and trust and believe and that kind of thing and i it's it's interesting that so they went from a band that like comp- at the pinnacle of their career completely changed up everything and then somehow still kept that loyal fan base and kept that like fervent following um so then flash forward into the the modern day uh and they announced that they're releasing a record and it's very like no one realizes it's happening and then it comes out uh, science fiction i remember i think that the moment i saw that that was online or that was released i i went home and i bought it immediately to listen to it um and then they announced that they're going to go on a short like run a tours or shows for a little bit and then these uh uh these revelations come out in terms of i guess sometime during that pinnacle of their career like they're coming off of deja entendu and around that time they're touring like still probably the warp tour scene and that kind of thing jesse lacy had numerous allegations and accusations against him that were just justifiable and found to be completely true. What, as a fan of that band that meant so much to them, what what was your reaction to those to that news? Oh, it was devastating. I actually kind of alluded to it on one of my politically speaking podcasts. I during this entire Me Too discussion. There were a lot of people that were caught up in that, which I frankly just didn't care about. But when Jesse Lacey was caught up in that and basically prompted what I feel is for all intents and purposes, the disillusion, disillusion or disbandedment of that band. I, I, it, it was really hard for me to, to deal with because, you know, you kind of go through stages, like you feel kind of responsible for, like liking something featuring people that have done bad things. Um, and you're wondering like, should I like throw out all my albums and should I never listen to this band ever again? Um, and I, I didn't want to like seem like I supported what Jesse was accused of doing. And frankly, that Facebook message that he, he released kind of, signaled to me that the accusations were true because he talked about being a sex addict, didn't address any of the specific allegations. So you have to put two and two together and think person that is this addicted to, to sex, as he says he is probably did a lot of the things he was accused of. So 
it goes back to something that I wrote about for the Riverfront Times, I think, before I uh, started working for the St. Louis Beacon and then St. Louis Public Radio, and that's this struggle that music fans have between separating the music from, from the person. And it goes back to people like Chuck Berry and Ike Turner, for me. Like, a lot of people still like and revere Chuck Berry for, for what he contributed to rock and roll music, yet he was accused of doing some pretty heinous things um, at the pinnacle of his career and kind of on the outset of his career. Um, now, some of it were just accusations and some of it were had more evidence to it, but I, I come to think that that doesn't necessarily mean that his contribution to music is completely uh, overshadowed. And someone like Ike Turner is an even more difficult case because there's no question that he's an influential figure in the creation of rock and roll music, but the things that he has done did throughout his life were just beyond the pale and not really justifiable. Um, but I, I just mentioned those two examples because after kind of a week or so of, of waiting through all this, I, I think I came to the conclusion that I wasn't going to like champion the band publicly so to speak so i'm not going to buy anything that they sell which i don't think they're going to release anything anymore so it's kind of a moot point um and i probably won't use them as like my outro music for my podcast anymore but i still listen to them in my car because the music that they created still means a lot to me and i can i can't can as a, a fan of the, what they created appreciate their music without necessarily like approving of what Jesse likely did. Um, and when a band really does some, when a band really creates something that has affected your life in a very meaningful way, it's hard to just say, Oh, well, I'm just going to pretend that they never meant anything to me. Like all these artifacts in your memory, whether it be seeing them in concert a bunch of times or, listening to the music when you've you've had a very significant point in your professional or personal life like you can't really erase those things and um but i think it kind of gets into the next level discussion like i felt like science fiction was probably the best album of 2017 like by far but because of like what happened with the band i noticed that nobody was listing it on their albums best albums of the year um and maybe that was kind of justifiable like a lot of those things are subject subjective anyways and maybe the punishment for bad behavior is you're not lauded cr critically anymore but it kind of gets back to what i was talking about with turner and and chuck berry that i i think sometimes like people in music create something that's that's really exceptional, but it can kind of be seen as not exceptional anymore if that person violates the listener or, or fans' trust with, with their action. And, and, and maybe that's what happened with Brand New. I, I'm interested to hear your perspective on this, because when we were going back and forth on Twitter, I think you were kind of going through something somewhat similar. Yeah, I think Brand New has been... It was interesting... F it was... Well... Yeah, I was I was going through the though I was trying to 
digest the timeline and kind of the time frame and when everything was happening. And I think what's what has been interesting to me about Brand New is that I think I could draw a line between some of the lyrics and some of the music that they were putting out or even just like we mentioned earlier, that drastic shift from like what type of band they were at their pinnacle to then uh, the devil and God is raging inside me. Um, there seemed to be like more of a sense of the artist grappling with honestly the the consequences of their actions, regardless of it being known to the public. Um, I feel like that probably had something to do with uh, how. Um, for how relatively speakly, how withdrawn they became, uh, how like in terms of like this was a band that was getting like play on MTV like like crazy, and they were doing tours with like a lot of youthful bands and that kind of thing, and then that kind of all just shifted and changed. Um, and that's not to say that Jesse Lacey became a brooding, despondent kind of character who like was a recluse. Um, I remember seeing them live for an acoustic in short in in store performance right after daisy came out and he was definitely like way more reserved or that kind of thing but he was still seemingly happy and responding to the the audience and that kind of thing um but yeah so but it was interesting because like the stereotype of emo music is that it's so uh self-indulgent in how uh What's the word I'm looking for? How depressing it is or how uh, self-deprecating it is. And a lot of that I, I can kind of agree with. But then this was finally like one thing that really attracted me to Brand New was this was a band that was always talking about sort of just like the nature of their character and constantly criticizing it and constantly judging it. And yeah, without any kind of context that can kind of get overplayed. And now the, we finally have the context of like, maybe, yeah, he's been dealing with this and that doesn't justify him not necessarily making it public or making like what amends he can with the victims at that point. But it kind of just put that all the arc of the band from that point on into perspective. And it was tough for me to compare that to some of the other uh, figures in the Me Too movement, such as like say Harvey Weinstein or Kevin Spacey, whereas they're in their art or in their productions or in their creations, there is never any sort of sense or expression of um, how I say it, like regret or remorse or anything like that. And I guess that's not to say. I guess maybe you could argue they didn't have the medium or the platform for it, but at the same time, you there should have at least been like a change in character, I, I suppose. And I, I, we saw that with brand new brand new went f from being a band that was the it band, uh, to being a band that like did like a little press. And yes. It, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. I think that ended up being their downfall because they were so like withdrawn from saying anything to the media at, pretty much from devil and God, up until the point of last year that I don't think that they had built the, the relationships with 
the the music journalists or the people that can kind of get their message out to where when something like this happens that they can like rapidly respond. I'll, I'll put it kind of in 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 perspective with the other person we talked about, like Jeff Rickley. Everywhere you look, like he is very responsive. He's been very open about his own troubles. Like he he said last year, for example, that he was addicted to heroin. Like right after Thursday uh, broke up, and has actually said that to the crowd and was also very open about his his relationship with Martin. Sh- 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 I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but the farmer bro guy. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. So I he, he that openness I think allowed for people like me to like still be fans of, of his music and himself. And I've actually met him once. He was very, very gracious and nice personally. Whereas like brand new, like never said anything publicly. And the only thing that they said in response to this was that aforementioned Facebook post, which I think made things 10 times worse. And it, it kind of just shows that this like standoffish, uh, relationship with media can have its drawbacks. I know that's a very self-serving for a journalist like myself to say, but but I, I think that that that's what happened. And it's like you saw kind of the, also these anecdotes coming out that that from people that had encountered Jesse Lacey that they found him to just not be the nicest person to deal with, and yeah. that that could that could also have been why you didn't really see like a lot of sympathy from them. Even though, undoubtedly, their music touched a lot of people's lives in a very, in a very immense way. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, that no, was that, what I definitely wanted to say. Well, and I love that because there, I it alludes to that again that shift in demeanor and the consequences of that. I remember, um, and I think it, I think it can go. Ultimately, like you said, it does lead to like a band's kind of regression from the public eye or the, from the public's, uh, I guess, priorities, I guess you could say. But I remember, I think right after The Devil and God is Raging Inside Me, um, they were playing, I guess it might have been Lollapalooza or something like that. Because it was, it was recent enough where all of those songs were like the main songs. And I remember, this was back during the time when Absolute Punk was still like a very strong presence in the scene in terms of like an online space for emo kids to go and commiserate on their misery or whatever but uh they posted a video and apparently early on during that set at Lala he like yelled at the crowd for being idiots that they weren't going to go watch explosions in the sky instead and uh and then at the end of that set so they ended with uh shoot what is the song what is that one really climactic song in the middle of the devil and God? Oh, limousine limousine. Yeah. Um, or wait, is it limousine or is it, um, what's the one about the car crash? Limousine. Is it limousine? Okay. Okay. Um, and they played like this long extended version of it and they like, uh, and at the end he like, he like took his guitar and he like, staggered backwards and just threw it at the drum set and then they all just walked off and it was just it was it it was weird because you were seeing these guys that were so like i mean they were the they were the boy band of emo back like back in the day like uh on major music television and like playing tours with like good charlotte and stuff like that and now they've become this really abrasive kind of like 
reclusive band that like almost to a fault at that point maybe doesn't care what anyone thinks yeah and and i and interestingly i don't know if this was Lollapalooza 2007 or 2008 but i was supposed to go to Lollapalooza in 2008 and my my parents said that they had gotten me tickets and it turned out like the day of they were like oh we actually don't have tickets for you like they fell through but i had bought a ticket for the House of Blues show where Brand New played the day before Lollapalooza. And I don't know if it was that same year. It was 2008. I was just typing and checking on my Gmail about that. But um, there were no such outbursts there because I think everybody was there to see Brand New and not Explosions in the Sky. Yeah. So, Well, and but it was also – it was – no, it was interesting because I think he was also – like he was almost – like he hated like kind of the attention that they were getting and he like he was yelling at them that they were seeing brand new as opposed to seeing explosions in the sky uh i see and so and that was like a maybe another level of like narcissism where it's just like like i know better than you do even though you're all here to see me right now or whatever um, yeah, I, I think that that's, again, like, I certainly understand that posture because it kind of creates this mystique. And I think that's one of the reasons, like, up until last year, like, a lot of people um, were very much enamored with kind of the, the image of Brand New as this kind of godlike band that, that couldn't be stopped. But, again, I think that turned out to be their undoing once some really bad accusations came Jesse's way and they didn't really have the comfort level or apparatus to respond effectively. And I don't see them ever coming back at this point. And it's, it's unfortunate, but Jesse is responsible for his own actions. I'm sure that he is regretful because it happened many years ago. And he is like a, he's married to somebody and has a kid now. So I understand like, people change but like he was accused of like soliciting nude photos from minors so we can't really like undercut like what he actually was accused of is not that good per se um even if i still like the music and listen to it like i i i can't really defend the standoffish attitude and I, I can't defend like what he's accused of if they actually did happen. And and until there is like a public kind of, I don't want to say reckoning, but kind of like a resolution in terms of making amends with the victims or them getting closure on the situation or uh, really getting uh, reconciled or whatever, then it, it like, like you said, a Facebook post doesn't really do that justice. No, it doesn't. Um, so, okay, so then moving on from Brand New, because we've talked a lot about, like, shows that you've been going to mm -hmm. uh, recently and that you've gone to in the past. And you mentioned how you saw Thursday on their most recent tour, I guess, playing full, uh, full Collapse. So what was your – what has been your favorite experience at a show, emo or otherwise, but, like – both as a youth or as, like you said, like a college student or a recent college grad, and then even more recently, like, and has that experience going to a show changed for you? Oh, oh yeah. I, I do want to talk about one experience that happened recently in St. Louis that um, 
was was actually very illuminating to me. So it was actually the weekend before the 2016 election, which I guess is not that recent anymore. That was almost two years ago. And I was going to meet up with one of my friends while my, my wife and son were in Chicago. And I went to um, the the record store on The Loop, which the name is kind of Vintage Vinyl. My, my wife just helped me out there. And I every, went. Every St. Louisan is like screaming right now that she. I know. Think of the name of it. Every, all all four of them that listen to this show. Well, it, again, it's been it's been a slightly eventful eventful day for me. Fair enough. Um, so I go to see this band which I had never heard of, but my friend had heard called American Wrestlers. I don't know if you've ever heard of American Wrestlers, but it's basically this this guy who immigrated to St. Louis from Scotland to marry somebody from St. Louis. He was part of another band in Scotland that had some success. And this band just blew me away to the point where I like immediately bought their, 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 their latest album, which was uh, goodbye, terrible youth. I listened to that album front to back. I absolutely loved it. I went to see them again. Um, and I've never experienced that before where I just went in to see a band cold, never heard them before, and came out being like an instant fan. Because for me, like, it takes kind of some marinating for me to like somebody. It could be like a year or two years, or like Thursday in Brand News case, like four or five years after they're popular before I actually discover them. And I'm like, wow, I really like this band. So that's like a recent example of, of an instance where I saw them, I saw a band, and it, it really connected with me. I would say probably the most memorable show I've ever gone to, um, besides, like, uh, I went to, like, the B96 Halloween bash when I was, like, 17, right after 9-11, and Puff Daddy was there, and <laughs> he, he, like, had an American flag and said, screw the terrorists or something like that. It was, it was... <laughs> That was a bizarre, bizarre thing for me to remember right now. But I, 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 I would say that going back to a band we already talked about, I saw Brand New in two thousand, I think two thousand six, two thousand seven. They were at the Baymont Club in Kansas City, which is a pretty small venue, which I no longer think exists. So they were playing to maybe five hundred people, and that show was. It was incredible to see a band that eventually played like 20,000 and 15,000 and 10,000 seat venues play a, a venue that small, yeah. kind of in their raw, energetic form. They they played um, Welcome to Bangkok, which I've never, I don't think I've ever seen them play that song since then. Yeah. They had like this screen behind them where as soon as it went from the first part of that song to like, shifting into that almost like an explosion in the middle. They showed an atomic bomb going off. And I thought that was so incredible. Yeah. Um, so I think that one would probably be the, the one show I remember pretty fondly as far as the past. But that, that American wrestler show here in St. Louis really uh, spoke to me too, because it always will be connected with like the, the calm before the storm of that 2016 election. Um, and I, I think that the, 
I'm not really sure what the status is of that band as far as whether they're a band or whether it's just uh, the lead singer doing all the instruments, because that's basically what his first album was. But um, that band just released a new song that was posted on Stereogum recently that I really, really, really love called Ignoramus. I actually played it for my two-month-old son, um, and I played it for myself, and my, my son started to smile when he heard that. Aww. So. That's kind of a signal uh, right then and there. So those probably weren't like the greatest examples, but that was like one example where I went to a concert where the music really connected with me very quickly, which is rare. And then just like one in my very distant past, which I found particularly memorable. Well, I, I love, I love that experience. Like that, that anecdote is going to stand out to me because I too am someone who has to like, exactly like you said, marinate with music. Like, I will maybe listen to, like, the hits of a band for, like, two or three years before I actually listen to, like, a full album like that. Like, for instance, Brand New was the same way with me. Um, So, and this includes, like, some of my favorite bands and some of my favorite artists. Like, I think I listened to the singles by the Gaslight Anthem, like, at least a million times each before I actually, like, went back and said, okay, well, maybe... Maybe I should check out the actual album. I guess I guess there's something about also just like you hear a song and maybe I'm maybe I'm a child of like modern day pop radio like you'll hear a song and it'll be so good to you but then you're you the skept the skeptic in you like wonders, well, can the album really like keep that up like for an entire like 13 singles? And so I I love that idea that you went to the show just based on the recommendation of a friend and were ple- not just pleasantly surprised, like discovered an out, like a band that you keep fo- like keep following to this day and are always going to keep track of. Yeah. And there, there have been bands, which I was really, really into when I was younger and that I was really like devoted to Radiohead is a great example. Like when I was maybe like, guess OK Computer came out in 2017, not, not 2017, I'm sorry, 1997. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's not that new of an album. And I think I was, uh, I think it was 13 at the time. And that, I actually bought that album the week it came out because I'd seen the video for Paranoid Android on MTV. And I was really like, not only the video, which is like an animated video, which is kind of cool, but the song itself was just like nothing had ever seen before. So, you know, I went to, I've seen Radiohead a couple of times, saw them both in St. Louis, 2003, 2008. But then like when King of Limbs came out, like I really didn't like that album at all. I really don't, don't dislike a moon shaped pool, but I just didn't really get into it. I just kind of came to the realization that like, I, I, I like Radiohead like every other emo kid with glasses or whatever, but they're just not, they're just not uh, don't have the visceral reaction to some of the other bands that I think I've mentioned, which I still am probably more devoted to at this point. Gotcha. Cool. Well, that kind of covers everything that I'd planned to talk about. Um, where can people find you online or where can they listen to you online? Well, there are a couple places you can find all my articles on, uh, stlpublicradio.org. I have a podcast called Politically Speaking that you can find either on stlpublicradio.org or typing in uh, Politically Speaking into like iTunes, 
NPR One, uh, Overdrive, uh, all the podcast dissemination devices that you find this podcast on, it's there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum, where I mainly talk about Missouri politics, but as you found, I sometimes talk about music and professional wrestling as well. Um, and you know, if you if you turn to ninety point seven, I think I'm occasionally on the radio, so you can hear me there as well. I guess I, I, I will tell you every every morning when I'm getting ready for work, I I look forward to the classic Jason Rosenbaum sign off. Yeah, I might be changing it a little bit. Like I know it's a I'm Jason Rosenbaum. I think that they think the emphasis on the bomb is a little is a little uh, a little much. So I'm. I'm tinkering with that, but the essence will remain the same. I, I, I promise you. Dude, that those are fighting words. I think there's going to be a lot of public radio listeners who are going to are going to get in a tizzy over that. Yeah, I I think I think you're probably right, but um, I I'm definitely appreciative of of, of ninety point seven for for letting me fulfill a lot of my journalistic dreams, and um, but I'm also very glad for you inviting me to talk about something other than Eric Greitens, because as much as I will be talking about that for the next few weeks and months, I, I also like talking about other things like emo music and post-hardcore music as well. Awesome. Well, well then hopefully when, hopefully in the future, when this podcast is like maybe 20 episodes in, I can have you back and we can have another chat about, about topics as the such. That would be great. Thank you for 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 inviting me in the future. I would say. <laughs> Into the hypothetical twenty plus episodes that this will have. Yeah, I, we'll be bought. I mean, Missouri will have been purchased by Iowa at that point, <laughs> but you know, it'll still be a, a political ecosystem worth covering. <laughs> cool. Well, Jason, I don't want to take up any more time because I got to go watch you on the television on KSDK with Mike Bush. That's tonight, right? No, it came out yesterday. Oh, it came out yesterday. Well, then I'll Google it then. I'll find it online. But thank, yeah. again, thank you so much for having the time to talk to me about about all this stuff. Thank you for having me. All right. That's going to do it for episode three of Middle of the Dial. I'm Jonathan Rahul. You can follow me on Twitter at another Rahul J. Be sure to follow our website on Twitter also at Middle of Row. And check out our website at middleofrow.com. So until the next time... Remember, the best songs are in the middle of the dial. Stay golden.